Welcome back, friends. This is James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. You are tuned into Solutions Watch in February of 2021. And this week, I want to talk about uh, a subject that I think is probably going to recur quite a bit in this series, which revolves around technology. And I assume at this point, there will probably be many editions of Solutions Watch that revolve around specific tips or information about how to better use technology, how to protect your data, how to uh, distribute information online in more decentralized ways, etc. But before I get into any of those types of issues with regards to technology, I actually wanted to start by questioning one of the underlying assumptions of such ideas, which is that we need that technology in the first place. Do we? Do we need to be online at all times? And do we need to be 24-7 connected to the grid? Uh, Because that is obviously where we are being positioned right now, to be dependent on the system, to live our lives virtually instead of in reality. And hopefully people are at least having some time to think about that as they are trapped inside their own homes, prisoners not able to approach another human being from within six feet, because how dare you, you icky biological human. Uh, this I, I've been having these thoughts uh, for a while now, but uh, some of them were crystallized for me in a podcast I was listening to recently, specifically Revelations Radio News, episode 215, called The Real World, which is a very interesting discussion. I really do commend it to your attention. Of course, the link will be in the show notes, but I just wanted to play a little clip uh, from that uh, discussion in which uh, hosts uh, Tim Kilkenny and Andrew Hoffman are discussing this idea about unplugging and turning off the devices. What good does it do to know everything that's going on in social media? You you can't do anything about it. Like You getting upset doesn't really do anything so either you should know enough to want to take some real concrete actions um and beyond that i think you're right it's unhealthy the media and i don't mean the mainstream media i mean like literally the actual definition of media the media of the social networks the way that it works you would, I could argue against you and say, listen, Andrew, you need to know what's going on. There needs to be watchers on the wall. We have to see what the enemy is up to so that we can be prepared to save our families or this and that or to, to educate the people around us. But the medium is the message. That's the problem. It's because yeah. if you get all the information from that, you can't then fight back there. Because mm-hmm. what are you going to do? You're going to send out a tweet to get 46 likes, 200 shares at best. <laughs> and then what? It's literally three seconds of a bunch of people's day that they see that. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's not going to change anything. So where you learn about all the things that are happening is also useless place to be to fight back. All right. Once again, I think a very interesting conversation, definitely worth your time and attention. But in order to continue that conversation, extend it, probe a little bit into some of the ideas that are floating around uh, regarding this, I thought, why not bring on one half of that dynamic duo, namely Tim Kilkenny, one half of Revelations Radio News uh, at revelationsradionews.com. Tim Kilkenny, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, James. All right. Let's talk about 
this, this problem of digital, digital everything and how people are now being trained to expect that the only way to solve the problems that are being created in this increasingly online world is to be online and to tweet about it. <laughs> uh, your, your cynicism in that regard obviously resonates with me as someone who walked away from Twitter three years ago. And uh, I, I believe, uh, I'll have to double check, but I believe my last tweet was something along the lines of, I'm going to get ahead of the curve, delete Twitter. <laughs> and uh, yeah, here we are. Um, yeah, if you haven't deleted Twitter yet, chances are Twitter is deleting you if you tweet about anything of su substance. <gasps> surprise, surprise. Who would have imagined it? But beyond just that particular issue about censorship on social media, as you say, there are even deeper structural issues with regards to this. The medium is the message. And if you are trapped in a mindset in which the social media is your only outlet for speaking out about what's happening, then what is that actually going to accomplish in the real world? So Tim, let's let's situate this conversation in some context. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your own experience with being online, with being part of social media, and your more recent experience of getting off of being online all the time, deleting some of your social media accounts. Tell us about that. Yeah, um, I, I've always kind of had a love hate relationship with social media. I followed your cues in a lot of ways. And like, you know, I remember back in the day, a long time ago when you were on Facebook, but you were actually never on Facebook. It was somebody else who was making it for you. So anyway, um, I have been somebody who's kind of been wary of social media, but something happened in this last year where well, I mean, it's not something. The lockdowns happened and I was at home for six weeks trying to figure out, you know, what in the world is going on. And Twitter, you know, it's like a worldwide conversation. Let's let's figure it out. Let's talk to each other. Let's 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 uh, compare ideas and whatnot. And uh, anyway, I just feel like from that moment forward, the next several months and then into the election through January, I became more and more reliant on Twitter for my information, for just like thinking, uh, just my day to day. And I'm kind of self-aware enough to notice that like there was some some real changes in my behavior, uh, even in my day to day life. Um, and I kind of came to a, a, a position where it's like, this is not worth it. What I'm getting is not only not worth it, but like the thing that really kind of changed my my view completely was that it I feel like they were agitating me. They were showing me things that were going to make me upset and they were in they as in Twitter's feed or algorithms or whatever. So then I would log on and I would get fed all this negative things that I knew or thought was happening and like became in a weird way, like almost addicted to that. Um, so then I, I, I started to notice little stuff like uh you know, my son, you know, he's four years old and he's look. why are you looking at your phone? And I started to notice that it was like creeping in because the phone, you know, it's ubiquitous. It's there. And then so now these apps are slowly creeping into my actual life. And my son knows that he says he says he has this way. He says he's like, stop looking at your phone. And if he says it that way, he knows that one of two things will happen. One, we're both going to I'm going to start laughing and he's going to start laughing and we can move on with our time and I can set the phone down or I'll just kind of sigh and set the phone down. But he knows that that's his cue. Like, hey, dad, like, where where are you? And so I started to notice, like, why is Twitter there when I'm putting my son to bed? It, it, it doesn't need to be there at all. 
and it and I'm not getting anything from it. It it's just it's more just kind of negative information. So I, I you know I just started to kind of come to the realization I had been sucked in to this thing that I had tried so long to warn other people about that wasn't, you know, uh, good for you in just the kind of events of the last year, trying to be in touch with all that sort of stuff. I realized that I basically got sucked back in. You know, that story resonates with me in particular, because uh, again, I, I did a video when I deleted Twitter that people can go back to. And I, I believe I shared the story at that time that, yeah, I found myself being at the park playing with my kids and just sneaking a look out, you know, getting the phone out yeah. and seeing what's happening on Twitter. What on earth? What Why is that? am I doing this? What is happening? And then you see something on Twitter that makes you agitated or frustrated. Or, oh, God. And then, you, then you're bringing that energy to your playtime with your children. It's horrible and destructive. And one thing that I noticed when I deleted Twitter was I, I suddenly started to notice that people who are on Twitter really take Twitter very seriously and very much are, are are talking about, did you see what this person said on Twitter today? Or that they're talking about Twitter conversations more so than they're talking about real life conversations. And once you detach yourself from that, you realize how silly that looks from the outside perspective. But once you're in it, it's hard to do so. So tell us about your own experience. Are you deleting your Twitter accounts and other accounts or how, how's this working? Yeah, I've deleted... I, at this at this moment, my Twitter, my personal Twitter account, which is one I kind of got sucked up into, it is deleted. The Revelations Radio News, which basically is just a feed that's automated to any uh, article that Andrew and I think is important, we save in a folder and it just it tweets out. So that one is actually still alive. So I could technically log into Twitter and do that whole thing, but I've taken all the apps off my phone and um, yeah, I mean. On that note with the kids, it's like, you know, I've noticed that transitions are hard. Like even if you have the phone in your hand, right? So you pull, you just pull it out, your kid's playing and you look at it and then it was, it's only 10 seconds, 30 seconds. You put it back in your pocket. I have like ADD. I, I'm constantly thinking of this or thinking of that and just forget to do stuff. I'm notorious for recording entire podcasts and not even recording them, uh, pushing record. But um, what I ended up doing was I, I would look away from the phone and then back at my son. And it's like, I'm not looking at him. I'm still thinking about this thing, this 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 tweet. I'm still thinking about this idea. And it, the transitions, I, I'm not really ever present. I'm always in kind of a limbo state getting ready to pick up my phone again. So I'm never actually fully present. And people feel this, right? Whether it's people at, at my at my job who know that, you know, they're, they're sharing something with me that they would like me to have feedback on or my kids or my wife. They can feel that I'm not quite there. And there's no I, you know, maybe other people can, but I cannot uh, multitask. So but I the phone gives me the idea that I can. Yeah, it's it's so insidious. And as you say, it's ubiqu ubiquitous. You can't you can't escape it. Well, you got to take your phone if you're going out because you got to what if there's an emergency or whatever excuse that people use that there it follows you everywhere you go. And it's always there, always distracting. So I guess the real I mean, there's so many questions here, but one is how uh, I mean, is it all or nothing? Do we have to completely unplug? Do you have to completely delete all your social media? Is there a way to use this? in a productive way? Does it depend on people's personality types? Does it depend on their personal situations? How how do people go about at least stopping, uh, starting to consciously be aware of when they're using this technology rather than to subconsciously just go along with it? 
Well, I think I think you could use it for good. I think there is a way to do that. But we've turned a corner in the last month or two where Twitter is kind of outright telling you they don't like you. Like that was the that was the straw the straw that broke the camel's back for me was not well also you know finding out that I got caught up in a way that I didn't like but also that like Twitter actively hates me right because I'm a Christian who uh, doesn't necessarily believe in abortion and believes in gun rights and uh, has some very strong views about gender and things like that which you know you're not allowed to even say these things anymore so Twitter just hates me. Like that's, that's the deal. They could delete me or any of my friends at any time. So not only am I doing the age old thing, which is not age old, but last 10 years thing where we knew we were trading a little bit of privacy for a little bit of convenience, but now you actively hate me. Now you don't want my beliefs shared with others. Like that was the thing that kind of, it was the straw that broke the camel's back. And I can't even give credit I can't even take full credit for kind of turning that corner. I came home one day and this whole conversation doesn't even take place if this doesn't happen. But I came home one day and my wife said, I'm done. <laughs> I said, what? She said, I deleted everything. I took it all off my phone. I can't believe this is happening. And, and she's not anyone who has ever been, you know, she doesn't listen to the podcast. She's not someone who's into the pol- politics and things like that. But she said the same sort of deal. Like I have kids at home. I, I don't, you know, I have certain belief system and I don't need them to show me what I'm supposed to believe and I'm done. And so she actually took the stand before I did, deleted all the apps. I think she still has a lot of her accounts, but the apps are gone from her phone and she doesn't like I asked her like, hey, does this person I haven't logged into face? I don't know. So she just she's just completely removed herself from it. And I think that's kind of where we need to go, because the writing's on the wall in a lot of ways. Um if whether you like President Trump or not, and this is the thing that drove me insane about uh, early January uh, with the President Trump situation getting taken off of Twitter and every like a you know a bunch of people like cheering, this is amazing. And it's like, how short sighted are you? Wait until it's your guy. Like if they can do that to any to him, then they can do that to your guy. And it, it's that's just crazy to think. And then, you know, people quick sign up for parlor and then boom, they took that away, too. So. You know, I think the writing is on the wall. I think that these sorts of views are going to be uh, just pushed pushed away. And it, it's a weird situation now in the United States. It feels like half the country is going to pretend the other half doesn't exist. And then all of the online chat rooms are going to become echo chambers. Yeah. And so it's so there's going to be no way. Half to the of- country thinks the other half is the enemy and will actively try to fight against them. Which you've actually started to see a little bit already with just different different things, which is a topic for another time, I think. But it it yeah, it's a, it's an interesting time where it's they've almost weaponized social media. Yes, that, you can't have that. Why is this guy still here? You should be canceled. You know, I remember uh, shortly after Trump got elected, I saw Kaylee McEnany made some sort of a quote, and the, the number one highest tweet bef- above that was uh, or below her her tweet was. Why are you still here? And it's like, hey, we're actively removing everybody involved in the Trump administration from the Internet. So why or from Twitter? So why are you even still here? And I think that's kind of the sentiment that we're kind of headed towards. Yes. Well, speaking of the weaponization of social media, that was actually an episode of the Corb Report podcast that 
I hope um, new newbies to the Corbett Report will take a look into where I do go through some of those types of things, including the fact uh, we should put this out again. I, I think my long-term audience will be familiar with this story, but maybe you're, you're not. Facebook actually did conduct an experiment yes. years ago yes. about how they could manipulate your emotions by manipulating what news shows up on your wall or whatever it is on Facebook. So, and, and they did that. And then they came out later and admitted it. Oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, we were playing around to see if we could get you guys angry or whatever. Like, what? Excuse me? Oh, oh, okay. Well, let me continue pl- plugging my data, my identity, my investing my time and energy into your feed that you admit are you are manipulating me with. It's absolutely in- insane to think about. Which... Which got me thinking actually recently, uh, especially considering the amount of suicides and percentages that have gone up this year, I would like to see the uh, Facebook feeds and Twitter feeds of the people who committed suicide. What happened? How were they? Because that's part of the, the kind of awakening that I had was that I felt like I had been gamed for the last four or five months where they kind of were feeding me exactly what was going to make me more and more mad. And, you know, I don't want to participate in that, but let's look at somebody else a little bit you know, deeper than that with the, with the suicides that are up. Are people on social media, you know, being pushed in a direction? If they can push and manipulate your emotions, that's a that's a weird it's a weird situation. It certainly is. And I mean, there are to be fair, there are a lot of different considerations here. We are living in extraordinary times where a lot of things are happening that presumably would upset people who are concerned about say, things like human freedom. And I do prefer to know about those things that are happening than to hide my head in the sand and pretend they are not. But the question is how? How is that being presented to you? Are you in charge? Are you in control of that flow of information? Or is that flow of information in control of you and your mind? So how do we reclaim our own minds, essentially? And is there a way to do it with any sort of deal with technology? Or do we have to cut the cord entirely? I'll I'll direct people's attention at this point to nationaldayofunplugging.com, which actually video editor Brock West brought to my attention I hadn't heard of, probably because I'm not on social media, so (laughs) I haven't heard about it. But apparently on March 5th slash 6th, 2021, there is a National Day of Unplugging, which seems to be an international event, because they have a world map showing different places where people are uh, pinging in from. And uh, on the question of how are members planning to unplug, uh, I'll be buying slash making cards to mail to my friends and let them know how important they are to me. I plan to put my phone away, enjoy nature with my dogs. I plan to be outside um, with lots of outside time, some coloring sheets, etc., etc. So at least there is some sort of movement and energy behind this idea, which I think, again, people are starting to realize they are being controlled by the technology more than the other way around. So there's movement, be- mass uh, energy behind this kind of idea, National Day of Unplugging. But <laughs> I do note there seems to be some sort of social media campaign around this where they ask hashtag. you to print out a hashtag. Yeah, exactly. They print out the little sign, I unplug too. And then you write your little thing and you hold it up and take a picture for which... I mean, I guess I get because you've got to reach into that matrix because the people who need to hear that message are the ones who are buried head in their phones. So I guess there's a logic to it, but it seems like a performative contradiction. What do you think about an idea like that? I I think it's a great idea. And unfortunately, you do have to kind of hashtag it and virtue signal out there to let other people know you're doing it. Um, But you have to you have to draw the line somewhere. I 
I actually have been experimenting with this for the last year or so, but I've gone to a smaller phone. Have you noticed how phones have gotten so much bigger? I found that part of the reason I was just head in my phone is because it's beautiful. It's huge. Look at this thing. It's all this all this stuff on here I can see. So I went to the very small iPhone, the mini, and I found it to be easier to just put away. It's like it's kind of hard to send an email. It's really small and I don't want that. And, the, you know, the bigger the phone, the more convenient. But then, of course, the the more you can just be sucked into it. The big screen, it just kind of takes up your, your whole field of vision. Absolutely right. All right. Well, um, another thing that you shared in your podcast uh, was you, the fact that you are an easily distracted person and that you yes, have yes. that part of your personality. How does that yes. play into this? And what kind of recommendations or advice could you give for other people who struggle with that? Yeah, um, I think that it it makes it it makes it worse. I, I, it makes being easily distracted, whether the, the name ADD or not, uh, it, it it feeds into it and absolutely makes it worse. Now, because of the nature of being easily distracted, I can see a bunch of different stuff that's not related and take it all in, you know, just bring it, you know, but what like I only have so much bandwidth for lack of a better term and I'm filling it with all these tweets and all this Instagram knowledge and all of this you know conspiracy knowledge and all and it's like you know while I'm taking this all in what are the people around me doing how are they responding to the way I am buried in my phone Uh, what responsibility do I have to the people around me life connections that I'm letting go of because I'm staring at my phone. So anyway, I think people who are easily distracted, it it makes it and it almost makes it worse. It's like, you know, you get this visceral reaction. Well, that's bad. And this is bad. It just keeps it just kind of feeds on itself. And I think I've noticed, you know, in the last 10 years, I've gone from someone who will sit down and read a book often to not very often sitting down and reading a book because there's just too much you know, stuff happening in my brain. And I think a lot of that has to do with my relationship with technology. So the plan is to delete these apps, to to minimize the phone to very basic apps and uh, get back to trying to read books and, and really just being present in my life because it start, I'm starting to notice that, you know, 50 years from now, maybe it will be impossible to not be online, but at least right now it's, it's possible. Yeah, absolutely. Such a good point because I sometimes do think you know, it was 15 years ago before I started the website, before I got into any of this. I, I How did I spend my time? What was I doing? I certainly, I, I didn't have a smartphone. I wasn't buried in that all day. I wasn't online all day. Oh yeah, I was reading a lot. I was talking to friends, going out, writing at a cafe, that kind of stuff. I used to do things in the real world and that that space for that shrinks and shrinks as it, you become more and more invested in the online world. Yeah, we need to rediscover that somehow. And I'm not sitting here on a high horse. Obviously, I'm online a lot. Uh, this is my work. This is how I interact with the world at this point. But uh, yeah, we need to carve out some space for unplugging to make that possible. And actually, my own extremely small example of this was uh, over the Christmas New Year break. I, I, it kind of delights me every single year. I take a week or two weeks off at Christmas slash New Year, and every single year I'll get a couple of emails by the end. Are you okay, James? You haven't posted for a while. Is everything okay? (laughs) Yes, I'm okay. I'm just taking some time off. Thank you. (laughs) Which is a nice, I know it's a nice sentiment. Actually, one year I got an angry email from some woman who said something like, if if you're not going to post anymore, why don't you just take your whole site down? (laughs) 
<laughs> she Sorry needed it. She, whatever. But this year I did something different I, for the first time because I have to want I, every day. I have to check emails. I have to check what's going on. I have to sign up new subscribers to the website, etc. So I, I never, ever, 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 ever get a full day off. But this year, uh, my family was going out for a, a day trip or an overnight trip. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to turn off the contact form. I'm going to turn off the membership sign-up form. Just say, hey, guys, I'm, a, I'm out of town. See you in a couple days. And I did that. And it was amazing. I didn't have to worry about checking emails. I actually unplugged for a couple of days and spent time with my family. And it was such a relief. It was so relieving to be able to do that. So I don't know... I don't know what the upshot of this is. Again, I don't think I don't think at this point we can all completely unplug or be, you know, living off of bugs and rainwater in the woods like the Unabomber or something. But we have to come to <laughs> a better can, balance. And the, I mean, I don't know. Take, I don't have the answer of how to do that. Sorry, you can take little steps, right? One of the things I've done is I've turned notifications off on my phone for everything other than text message. All notifications are off. So I'm not going to get a ding if I get an email. I'm not going to get a ding if, you know, you know, some account somewhere needs something because that's the constant picking up and staring at the phone. Uh, that That's one you know step you can take. And then the other one uh, that has helped me, at least, is in the morning when I wake up, there's that it, there's that urge. I know you have it. Everybody has it to reach over, grab your phone and right into the online world. This is going to set the tone for the whole day. You got a bad email and it, why, why, why should my email have any power over my mood and my thought process for the day? Do not pick up the phone as long as you can. Uh, I was listening to Joe Rogan uh, podcast and Matthew McConaughey was on there and he talked about just don't pick up the phone. Just don't pick it up. In the morning he wakes up and he says, this is my time. I have coffee. I read. I don't look at the phone. And then a certain time each day, you know, he goes, okay, now it's eight o'clock, nine o'clock or whatever. Now I'll go and, and pick up the phone and, but you start the day with you, yeah, <laughs> with your thoughts, yeah, with, you know, and and that's don't one bring of the, the phone into I the think. bedroom, right? There you yeah. go. Yeah, maybe if you set aside a space, I'm not using the phone here, and you, if you stick to that, then you can't wake up and immediately immerse yourself. You'll have to go downstairs to do it or whatever. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. little things like that where it's like I'm just not going to pick it up. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to be alone with my thoughts. That's the other thing. Everybody's putting off their thoughts and feelings. It's like an it's like an addict. You know, one of the things that I've done in my lifetime is I did drugs and alcohol when I was younger and I quit. But one of the things that happens, everyone knows that as soon as you quit drugs or alcohol, the first year is horrible. And why? Because there's a ton of emotions. You haven't dealt with all this stuff. You've just been drinking and, and doing stuff. Well, we're doing that on a much smaller level every day now. You know, we're getting distracted with our phone and not feeling the emotions and disappointments of our day and just feeding into the next thing. And I think it's important that we have time away from that to wake up, be alone with our thoughts, be alone with our emotions and, and you know, process things, maybe meditate or pray or whatever it is that you do, um, because delaying feeling is not a good way to be. no. No, it isn't. And uh, in the podcast, you mentioned an article by Andrew Sullivan, if I remember correctly. Yes, yes, I believe it's called "My Distraction Sickness," and he—he was—it was an interesting uh, article. He—he he came to this conclusion back in 2016. Like, he basically, in 2008, he just went all in. It was like, I'm going to blog twice a day. I'm going to plug in completely. Facebook, Twitter, all of it. And then, yeah, he wrote an article in 2016 talking about he. It, yeah, and that, it's a good point. In that article, he talks about how he, after giving up the phone, he actually 
kind of had that flood of emotion of stuff he just hadn't dealt with from his childhood and stuff. And that, that rang true to me because I'm familiar with that. But I think that with the phone, it's not as deep for me. It's just a lot of stuff that's like currently happening that I haven't dealt with emotionally. And it's been hard. Part of the reason that people are getting driven into it is because look at this year. It's been a really hard emotional year for many people. So it's just they don't want to deal with it. Just feed into, you know, whatever the next thing on the, the feed yeah. is. And not only is there not a lot of other stuff you can do. I mean, you're not allowed to have real human experiences now. Just traveling around? Oh, no, you're an icky, horrible human for doing that. No, just bury your head in the screen. That's all you can do now. Oh, and it's just, that's so insidious. It really is. It sure I think is. That all right. We're getting just... Well, on that note, <laughs> yeah, there's no, I, I guess there's no easy pat answer here because obviously it depends on people's situations and contexts and there are people who have to deal with their electronics for work and things along those lines. Um, are you in that similar situation? Yeah, for sure. But there are ways that you can minimize it, like I said, taking off the notifications yeah. And just try to try to build yourself a, a framework where you have headspace and time to be able to see and associate with the people around you. Exactly right. Well, again, it's an ongoing process. And uh, I, I, at the very least, I think we have to take control of the technology rather than letting us letting it control us. And that's maybe easier said than done. But we have to start at least bringing this to a conscious attention. And hopefully people in the audience who... I mean, everyone has their own experience with this. If you're watching this electronically, you have some experience with this. So I'd like to hear your own experience, your own context, how you have dealt with this or are trying to deal with it and what's working and what's not. As always, that's where hopefully a lot of the real solutions will come from, not from me or for you or anyone on a high horse, but from the audience and people dealing with this in their real lives. So we're going to leave this conversation here for today, but I'm sure it will be a theme that we'll be returning to in our respective works. Speaking of which, Revelations Radio News Podcast uh, is a podcast I have talked about in the past. It went on an extended hiatus, we'll say. <laughs> but I was delighted to see that uh, earlier, uh, at the end of 2020, the beginning of 2021, there was a new episode and you guys are doing new episodes again. Tell us about the podcast. Sure. We uh, just... It's, it's it's actually been going since about 2011. Me and a friend of mine, Andrew Hoffman, um, you know, I was thinking about the history of the podcast and we kind of started off as just an anti-propaganda, anti-war podcast. I was a member of Iraq Veterans Against the War and we were talking about 9-11 stuff and it just had a different flavor in 2011. And now we've moved kind of all the way up and, you know, uh, we've had kids and started families and, you know, a lot of things have changed. But um Unfortunately, as far as the topics that we talk about, whether it's, you know, health, uh, medical related, war, uh, propaganda related, social media, those things, it seems like all those things have kind of kicked into overdrive. So it felt like in 2021 or excuse me, 2020, it's time to, to kind of pick this back up and at least, you know, start talking about it. Uh, because a lot of the stuff we had been, you know, it was fringe 2011. Nobody had a podcast. Nobody, you know, Joe Rogan wasn't a huge deal. And, you know, it was a, it was just kind of a fringe thing that nobody necessarily really even knew or cared about. But now it's like stuff we talk in the pod about on the podcast is very much day to day for almost every person at this time. So anyway, uh, Andrew wrote a book, uh, about, uh, eugenics, uh, new world order in the eugenics wars, which, uh, he published back right around the time, I think it was 2012 or 2013. Um, I've never writ, read a, or excuse me, I've never written a book, uh, but we started the podcast after that. And uh, basically the format of the podcast is me and him 
kind of just going over news articles. And it's a very sarcastic take, as you've said. And, and, and sometimes, you know, I think we go overboard with the sarcasm, but we're just trying to laugh. And I think that a lot of times the news is trying to scare us all and we just try to bring kind of a calming light to it, I would say. Well, it works. It, uh, let this be a testament because I, I've i said in the past, I'm I'm always changing up my podcasts and unsubscribing, subscribing to new ones. It's just, I, you know, after a while you start to get bored of the same old podcast and the same voice over and over. There are only two podcasts I can think of that I've subscribed for a decade or so. Um, that would be Media Monarchy. I've been subscribed for 13 years or something. And Revelations Radio News. And I'm still excited awesome. when there's a new Revelations Radio News that pops up. I love the way you guys talk about these stories, the way you that your take on them, the sarcasm, the humor. Uh, it very much hits my button. So I appreciate the work that you guys are doing. Now, how can people follow you on social media? What's the hashtag to you? Oh, <laughs> oh wait. <laughs> well, as you say, you do think, have a tweet, Twitter uh, feed, but <laughs> yeah, if you want to see the articles we're talking about, I think it's at REV radio news. And hopefully when you're on there, you'll never see that I'm on there. No. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully people can also go to revelationsradionews.com for the show exactly. notes so that they don't have to go exactly. to Twitter to see the articles. Yeah. Right? And, and like kind of just to, to kind of piggyback on what you said at the end there, not us on our high horses. I'm the last guy who's on a high horse. I'm, I'm talking about this stuff because I'm struggling with it. So I hope the audience kind of understands that. Uh, but, yeah, revelationsradionews.com is where it's it's an all text-based uh, website. Literally, it's just going to have the podcast and then links to every single story we covered. And, uh, you know, there's a – there's a, yeah, everything we cover is right there. We just try to be uh, – kind of upfront and, and clear and there's not not a lot of fluff or extra things there just pretty straightforward stuff yep well i appreciate it i like the no bells and whistles approach because uh, bells and whistles are only meant to distract you keep that in mind all right i think that's going to do it for today an important conversation i hope it resonates with people out there who are struggling with this and i hope again people can share their own experiences we're going to leave it there tim kilkenny thank you so much for joining us today thanks for having me james